0: Beddingfeld. Bruised, battered, but astoundingly, still alive. I came to, slowly and painfully. I'd had the most horrific dreams. Well, the same dream. Over and over, where I was falling endlessly. Once, I dreamed of Harry Rayburn's face. Then darkness swallowed me. The next time I woke up, I was me again. I recalled everything my furtive dash from the hotel to meet Harry, the man in the shadows who chased me. The final unspeakable moment of falling. Why, I asked myself, was I not dead? Artists' Ensemble Theatre presents Mysterious Journey, Theatre for the Mind. From Agatha Christie, this is The Man in the Brown Suit, Part 8, On the Island. I was lying on a rather lumpy couch in a small hut with wooden walls. My left arm was bandaged. At first, I thought I was alone. Then I saw a man at the window looking out. He turned, and it was Harry Rayburn.
1: You're awake. Feeling better? To my horror,
0: I realised that tears were streaming down my face.
1: No, don't cry, Anne. Please don't. You're safe now. Sorry. (laughs) Here, drink some milk. I drank obediently, like a child. Are you in pain? (coughs) A little. Is my presence... Should I go? No. All right. Then I'll stay. He brought over a small stool and sat,
0: holding my hand. You're safe. Just rest. That sounded lovely. I had a thousand questions, but instead, to my own surprise, I drifted off again. This time, without the nightmares. When I awoke, the sun was high. Harry was there, smiling.
1: Hello again. Let's get you sitting up.
0: He did most of the work. I was weak as a kitten.
1: That's better. Here, I've got a basin of water. I imagine you'd like a wash. (laughs) More than
0: anything. While you're doing that, I'm going to fetch some soup. After I'd washed and devoured every drop of soup, it was time for answers. Look, I know how cliché this sounds, but it must be said,
1: where am I? On an island in the Zambezi River. About four miles upstream of the falls. And how long? Nearly three weeks.
0: What? That can't be! How is that possible?
1: You had a concussion. Your arm was injured. Just when I thought you were on the mend, you became fevered. Frightened me half to death.
0: No wonder I'm so weak. Suzanne must be frantic. Who? Mrs Blair. I was with her and Sir Eustace and Colonel Race at the hotel. But you knew that, surely?
1: I know only that I found you unconscious. In a tree overhanging the ravine. If your clothing hadn't caught on the branches, you'd have been dashed to pieces on the rocks below.
0: God, but you sent a note asking me to meet you in the clearing.
1: No, Anne, I didn't.
0: I, you, I'm I'm sorry, I'm still trying to make sense of this. How is it you were on the spot so opportunely? What are you doing on this part of the world? I live here. Here? On this island?
1: Yes. I settled here after the war. From time to time, I take parties from the hotel on excursions upriver in my boat. Mostly, I do as I please. All alone? That's right. The last thing I want is company.
0: Well, sorry to have inflicted mine, but I had very little say in the matter. None
1: whatever. I slung you across my shoulders like a sack of coal and carried you to my boat. Quite like primitive man.
0: (laughs) But I don't understand. How did you appear so providentially?
1: Right. This is going to sound... I was oddly restless. Couldn't sleep. I was plagued by the strangest feeling that something was about to happen. I know that feeling. In the end, I took the boat downriver, came ashore and hiked up toward the falls. Then, I heard you scream. I located you, out cold, dangling from a tree above a sickening drop.
0: Why didn't you get help from the hotel instead of carting me here? The
1: hotel? Not a chance. Anne, first someone tries to hurl you overboard, then off a cliff... I don't trust your so-called friends. I swore that I'd take care of you myself. Not a soul comes to this island. No one knows you're here.
0: You did quite right. And I shan't send word. Not even to Suzanne. Not yet. Whoever wrote that note, well, it was not the work of an outsider.
1: For the moment, your enemies think you're dead. They won't fret at the lack of a body. The torrent would have carried it miles downstream.
0: Dear Lord.
1: Once you're stronger, you can go to Berra and get a boat back to England. What? I will not. Oh, yes, you will. (laughs) Oh, don't be ridiculous. Don't you be stupid.
0: Then, of course, we quarrelled furiously until he stomped out. But we soon made it up again. During my recovery, we bickered often, but it never lasted long. One of us, usually me, would start laughing. Then we'd both give way and we'd be friends again. Harry needed laughter in his life. He'd been solitary and angry far too long. I was nearly well. We were lazing in the shade, watching the sunset. None of my hairpins had survived the fall, and my black hair hung down my back.
1: You look like a witch, Anne.
0: A glamorous, beguiling sort of witch, I hope.
1: You... Look, you've got to leave. You and I, this can't go on.
0: I suppose not, but it's been a happy time, hasn't it? Happy?
1: Happy? It's been hell on earth. Oh,
0: do be quiet. I'm going to be brave, so please don't interrupt. Harry, if you want me to go, I'll go. But if you want me to stay, I'll stay.
1: Anne, I'm a criminal, twice over. I'm wanted for murder. Around here they know me as Harry Parker. They think I've been away on a trek upriver. But eventually someone will put two and two together and I'll be arrested. Harry... This, this isn't real, Anne... All the world is before you. Mine is in ashes. Oh, well, if you don't want me You know that I do. I'd give my soul to keep you here forever. Then let No, you're leaving tonight. You'll go to Berra.
0: I'm not going to Berra. You are
1: going to Berra and from there to England if I have to throw you in the boat. How many death-defying escapes have you had? That's
0: entirely besides You've used the... up
1: all your luck, Anne. Go home and and marry. Be happy.
0: I see. You want me to find a nice, steady man who'll provide a good home...
1: Better that, then... Then you?
0: And what will you do?
1: I'll clear my name, or die in the attempt, and choke the life out of the scoundrel who tried to murder you.
0: To be fair, he didn't actually push me over.
1: He didn't need to. The stones lining the path had all been moved. The outermost stones were balanced on bushes that grew out over the edge. So
0: that I would think I was still on the path.
1: When, in fact, you were stepping out into nothingness. Anne, before we part, I want you to know my story, from the beginning.
0: Part of it, I've guessed. I know your real name is Tom Lucas.
1: So you do. My second year at Cambridge, I met a fellow... John Airdsley? Yes. We were both rash, impatient, wild. We shared a craving to see the untrodden places of the world. Couldn't wait to get out of England and go exploring... After Cambridge, Airdsley had one final bitter quarrel with his father, Sir Lawrence. Then we two sailed for South America. It was hard. A hand-to-mouth scramble for existence far from the beaten track. And you loved it. Every minute. That's the place to really know a friend. We two forged an unbreakable bond there. We were brothers. I I can't explain. I understand. Deep in the jungles of British Guiana, we made the find of a lifetime... Diamonds. We went mad with joy. It wasn't because of the money. What was it? The thrill of discovery. Edgley had grown up wealthy, had always known he'd inherit millions one day. Lucas had always been poor and didn't care. Do you mind me telling it like this? As if I was outside it all. Looking back at those reckless boys, I don't even recognise Harry Rayburn. Tell it however you like. We came to Kimberley, so cocky and full of ourselves, with sample diamonds to be examined by the experts. And in the hotel, we met her. Nadina. The name she used then was Anita Grunberg. She was gorgeous. I hate her. You've no need. Anyway, we both fell hard. It was the first shadow that had come between us. But even then, we didn't quarrel. We agreed that the choice was hers. God, she played us for fools. No one knew it. Certainly not us. But she was already married to a nondescript little man who was employed as a diamond sorter at De Beers. Of course, we bragged about our big discovery, even showed her our precious diamonds. We were both... Dazzled. Idiots. When the De Beers robbery was discovered, the police came down on us like a thunderclap and seized our diamonds. At first, we laughed. And then? Our sample diamonds proved to be stones stolen from De Beers. Anita had switched them so that we would be blamed. She vanished, and our pathetic story about a substitution was laughed to scorn. I'm
0: so sorry. I know that's pitifully inadequate.
1: But you... you do believe me? Of course I do. You're the first person who ever has.
0: I know that the case against you was dismissed.
1: Sir Lawrence is doing. He made restitution and De Beers dropped the charges. But it pretty well broke the old fellow's heart. He had one final painful scene with his only son, in which he cast him off utterly. A week later, war was declared. The two friends enlisted. You know what happened. The best friend a man ever had was killed through his own mad recklessness, and he died with his name tarnished. What happened to you? I was reported as missing, presumed killed. I never troubled to correct the mistake. I took the name of Harry Parker and retreated to this island.
0: You never thought of trying to prove your innocence?
1: After the war, after losing my friend, all I felt was, what's the good? What changed? I was escorting a party on a trip upriver. I was at the landing, helping them into my boat, when one man gave a startled exclamation. He was staring at me as though I were a ghost, one that he recognised. I made inquiries and learned that his name was Carruthers. He came from Kimberley, where he was employed by De Beers.
0: Mothball man. What? Never mind. Go on.
1: My old rage reignited. I went to Kimberley and wrung the truth from him. Which was? Carruthers and his wife, Anita, had taken part in the robbery. But for the first time, I heard about the mastermind who had planned it. The colonel. How? Yes. Carruthers was holding back, so I threatened to shoot him. Oh, good for you. I admire your bloodthirsty instincts. The rest of the story poured out of him. Anita had double-crossed the colonel. She held back a few of the stones she'd stolen from us. De Beers would know the difference at once. Thus proving
0: your story that you'd been framed.
1: Carruthers assured me that, for enough money, Anita would give me the diamonds. He promised to cable her at once. But, of course, he lied. Even worse. He bolted. In the nick of time, I learned that he was leaving for England aboard the Kilmorden Castle. I managed to book passage as well. I kept to my cabin, pretending illness. We disembarked. My first time in England in nine years, and I was wearing a false beard and glasses... I trailed Carruthers to London, where he visited a housing agent. I went in and was leafing through a pamphlet when... Good afternoon. In walked Anita Grunberg. Was she as beautiful as you remembered? Difficult to tell through a crimson haze of rage.
0: You must have loved her once, to hate her like that.
1: No! I swear, Anne, I hated her on my friend's account. I'd been infatuated, yes, but with him it went deeper... Her betrayal tore up the roots of his life. Anita asked to view Millhouse. The agent mentioned it was owned by Sir Eustace Pedler. I recalled that name from South Africa. I trailed the pair through Knightsbridge. They never once spoke or gave any sign that they knew one another. Anita entered a restaurant and took a table. I followed Carruthers down into the tube station. He moved to the far end of the platform. There was some girl nearby, but no one else. What? I'll tell you in a bit. I let him see me. In his shock, Carruthers lost his head, stepped back and fell to his death. I pushed forward and used a pretext to search the body.
0: And found?
1: His wallet, I left it, a roll of film, dropped it somewhere, and a paper noting an appointment for the 22nd on the Kilmorden Castle. I lost that too. I know. Never mind. Keep going. I ducked into the nearest cloakroom and removed the false beard.
0: Why get rid of your disguise?
1: I was afraid I'd be pinched for picking a dead man's pockets. I returned to the restaurant where I'd last seen Anita and followed her to Millhouse. What was your plan, Harry? To terrify her into handing over the diamonds. I was looking forward to it. I've always had the devil's own temper. And? I went in with murder in my heart. But she was already dead. She'd been strangled, and me not three minutes behind her. Was no one else in the house? No. In one stroke, the colonel had rid himself of the blackmailer and arranged for an arrogant idiot to take the blame. All I could think was, I had to get out of the country.
0: How did Sir Eustace enter the picture?
1: Pure chance. I was walking about blindly when I heard a familiar name. Some chap named Milton was saying that he'd convinced Sir Eustace to move up his trip to South Africa. He'd be on the Kilmorden Castle leaving Saturday. I seized my chance, bluffed my way in to see Sir Eustace, and convinced him to bring me along. Besides, what I had a half-baked notion that Sir Eustace might actually be the Colonel.
0: Because he owned Millhouse and has frequently visited South Africa.
1: Yes. Then I found out he was in France on the day Nadina was strangled.
0: I'm nearly certain that Guy Paget was in Marlowe that day. What?
1: I assumed he was with Sir Eustace in France.
0: No. He said he'd been visiting Florence. Wherever he was, it was not Italy.
1: Curious. Anyway, that's my tale. I'd hoped to secure the diamonds, but Nadina didn't bring them to Millhouse. Carruthers must have hidden them. As long as those diamonds are at large, the Colonel is still in danger. And I have no way to prove my innocence.
0: Well, it's time you heard my story, I think. Prepare to be amazed! I told him everything. But the bit that astounded him the most.
1: My diamonds have been in your possession for the past week?
0: Well, Suzanne's, really. But they'll prove you're not guilty of theft.
1: There's still the charge of murder.
0: Now that we put our stories together, we went round and round the facts. The thing we came back to, over and over, was the identity of the Colonel. Was he, or was he not, Guy Paget?
1: If not Paget, then who? Who lured you out of the hotel that night, then chased you on the path? Padgett is in Cape Town. You saw him yourself at the train station. Perhaps he employed a confederate. How would he have known to forge a note from me to you? I... I don't know. Before leaving the hotel that night, you're certain that you overheard Sir Eustace dictating to Miss Pettigrew?
0: Yes, so it couldn't have been him pursuing me.
1: Where was Colonel Race?
0: No idea.
1: Could he have any reason to believe that you and I might be friendly?
0: Oh, Perhaps. Oh, but he can't be the colonel. He's in the secret service. How do
1: we know that? It's easy to throw out hints. Soon the rumor spreads. Anne Race was in South Africa at the time of the Kimberley robbery. But
0: where does Paget come in? Could he be in Race's employ?
1: I don't know. Perhaps Paget's not part of this at all. But
0: he tried to hurl me overboard.
1: Was that Paget? At the time, I thought the man I chased off was a bit larger.
0: But in Cape Town, I saw the man who followed me talking with Paget.
1: You say Paget checked his watch. Perhaps the man merely asked the time. Isn't that rather a large coincidence? Not if there's a deliberate effort to make Paget the Colonel's scapegoat.
0: We need to find out definitely if Paget was in Marlow that day. And why. Another Hush. thing... What's that? It was fully dark now. No moon. I could just barely make out a dark blur on the surface of the water. A boat! Then, someone struck a match. The flame illuminated the red-headed man who had pursued me through Cape Town. There were others with him in the boat. Quick,
1: back to the hut. Can you load a rifle?
0: No. Show me how. After some hasty instructions, Harry stood by the window with a pistol.
1: Who's there? That'll give them something to think about. Stand back, Anne, and load.
0: One bullet grazed Harry's cheek. His answering fire was deadly. I had the rifle loaded when he turned for it.
1: They're turning back. They know they're too easy a target on the water, but they'll try again. And you black-haired witch, you've got the heart of a lion.
0: Then he kissed me, and, just as abruptly, let me go.
1: No time. What? Quickly, gather all of the tins of paraffin you can find.
0: As I did so, I grabbed a bundle of rags and climbed up onto the roof. I exited the hut, and, with a thud, he dropped down beside me.
1: There. It's worth a try, at any rate, while we get down to the boat. Hurry. They're coming back. We won't wait. Where the hell's the boat?
0: It's been cut adrift.
1: Right. Time for my little scenic effect.
0: As he spoke, flames erupted from the hut. The firelight illuminated two figures huddled together on the roof.
1: My old clothes, stuffed with rags. It won't fool them for long. Come on!
0: Hand in hand, we raced across the island. Only a narrow channel of water was between us and the shore on the other side.
1: They can't bring their boats around here. Too rocky. Can you swim? A little. I'll get you across. Keep an eye for crocodiles.
0: What?! The Man in the Brown Suit was adapted from Agatha Christie's novel. The final episode, Unmasking the Colonel, is next. In this episode, Sarah Waddle played Anne and Ian Garthwaite played Harry. When stages around the world went dark, Artis Ensemble Theatre began producing theatre for the mind. If you can, please consider donating to AET or become a patron by pledging monthly. Learn more at artisensemble.org. And as
1: always, thank you for listening.